Attention passengers, today on Strangers on a Podcast, the strangers take the movie car on a tropical vacation with this 2004 horror comedy. It's a movie that sets a machete-wielding killer loose on a tropical island of debauchery. It contains a Pac-Man hedge maze, a freaky little gymnast, and you. Join us. You won't. Welcome to the movie car here at Strangers on a Podcast. I am uh, Mel Crass, the conductor, and with me is... I'm Grim Weed. Hello, Grim Weed. Oh, you finally well, decided to to use a name instead of just using your title. Yeah, I, I, I finally did. Mel Crass, that's my name. I, I, I finally, I got tired of hiding. But thank you for being here. Uh, we're called Strangers on a Podcast because we're two guys who don't know each other and we're talking about movies to see how they bring people together. Are we going to drive each other nuts? Are we going to curse and scream one another out? Are we going to stay on topic? No. No. Simply not. No, uh, that's you probably just delete that question. Yeah, because it, it's not going to happen. And I think we've pretty much come to the realization it's not ever going to happen. But today we are talking about all the way from 2004, Club Broken Lizard Club Dread. Great little movie. It's a it's a fun movie. Uh, it was directed by uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, who plays Putman. Sa- uh, same group of guys that did the Super Troopers movies. Yeah, it's written by him and Kevin Hefferman, who plays Lars, and Steve Lemmy, who plays Juan, Eric Stolhansky, who plays Sam, Paul Soder, who plays Dave. Together they are the Broken Lizard. Before we really get into this, which version of this did you watch? Because there's a regular theatrical, and then there's the unrated extended. What's the difference? Did you see anything that had to do with cops from the mainland or from a different island? There was no cops showing up whatsoever? No. Okay, you watched the theatrical. Oh, great. The unrated extended has cops come in from another island. The the scene, the fashion show scene is longer. There's a, quite a few things that were added in. But is that tells me beat? which things that I need to not necessarily avoid, but remember you hadn't seen. Oh, I'm happy to hear about them. I probably need to buy this movie on DVD, the unrated version. Physical media is where it's at. Physical media is. Uh, is there more Coconut Pete in the unrated version? Yes. Oh, that's... That's all I need to hear, because we also have Bill Paxton, the great Bill Paxton, the amazing Bill Paxton, the delightful and hilarious Bill Paxton as Coconut Pete. And Bill Paxton has been in too much awesome stuff to name here. If you're unfamiliar with Bill Paxton, I I pity you and envy you at once because you have so many delightful performances to discover. Aliens, Predator 2, and a list longer than my leg. Yeah. What? A list of things. The list of things he's been in is longer than my leg. I don't know how long your leg is, but okay. I don't care how many people thought Hudson in Aliens was annoying. I love him and will celebrate Hudson as the unsung hero of the picture until the day I die. Bill Paxton tragically left the world in 2017 oh, due to... Oh, wait, wait, wait. You're, you're trying to say Hudson was a hero of Aliens? You're darn right. Did we not watch a hero. different movie? He was not the hero. He was a hero. Okay. Sure. Why not? I think Hudson pulled his weight. I, I guess. But darn anyway, right. that's a whole other movie. Darn right it is. You, and you can't forget Lindsay Price and Brittany Daniel. Brittany Daniels from Dawson's Creek and Joe Dirt plays Ginny. Brittany uh, Daniel was also a Doublemint twin. She was a Doublemint twin. Yes, her and her Did twin sister twin were sister? in the in the Doublemint commercials. I had no idea. I uh, apparently, her sister even came to the set while they were making this movie. And they're identical twins, I assume. Yes. And uh, Jordan Ladd from Cabin Fever plays Penel- Penelope or Penelope. Penelope. Yeah. 
Cheryl Ladd's daughter and Alan Ladd's granddaughter. Wow. And uh, as you said, Lindsay Price uh, plays you, whose name is immer- immediately turned into who's on first routine. And she's still Yeah, that Lindsay. one was, they. I guess they had a crew member on Super Troopers whose name was you, and they couldn't help the you jokes. So they decided we have to we have to have a U in there somewhere. So they put her in just so they can have a lot of U jokes. And they work. Oh so yeah. They did they weren't overdone either, I don't think. I think one of my favorite was Quiet You. Quiet You. And uh Or when she sneaks up behind the guy and turns around and says, like, You Yeah. Hank, you are dead. Are you threatening me? No, man, Hank, you are dead. If you're threatening me, you little laptop. Yeah. I put that just come look. The, the you jokes were were plenty, and they were used very well. Yeah. But the movie is a kind of spoof of a slasher film, and it's set on an island resort for partying young people. Uh, I don't know if I would say it's a spoof. I think I would go more along the lines of just horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, like, the commentaries, they don't say anything about, like, trying to spoof anything. They, they were trying to balance the line between action, comedy, and horror. I would say it leaned towards comedy a little more. At, at some points, yeah. I mean, they and are a, a group of funny guys to begin with. They're they're going to do more comedy. I got the feeling that, like, especially at the beginning with the scene Rolo and uh, between with Rolo, Stacy, and Kelly. Well, that I think before seemed... we start just talking about in the beginning with scenes, we might want to say a little bit of what goes on in this movie. Well, the island is being stalked by a. Uh, machete-wielding psychopath who's targeting the staff, but not the guests. Yeah. And uh, as more of the staff are killed, they are having, like, uh, little messages carved into their chest. Like, if a a character named Cliff dies, he gets Naughty Cliff uh, carved into his chest with a knife. There was a Naughty Carlos. There was a Naughty Carlos. And uh, as the staff realizes that they are being targeted, uh, they get a message from the killer saying they have to keep doing their jobs because he's only targeting them. Keep doing your jobs or everyone dies. Or everyone dies. Uh, And he's also, the killer has uh, disabled the radio. He's disabled the boats that they can't, so they can't can't get off the island via boat. Nobody's cell phones even work on the island already. Is there some other means of getting off that he had uh, destroyed? I can't really think of anything. Uh, Well, like when I I mentioned the cops, the, the cops showed up because early on in the movie, we see somebody fall off of a cliff. And at some point in the in the movie, her body washes up on a beach somewhere else. And those cops go to investigate. And that's how they end up on the island trying to figure out what was going on. But that's really the only time anyone from outside the, the island shows up. And that's only for a little while. Except for all the guests. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean that's the guest shows up at the very beginning and when, yeah. when everything starts. But when I, as far as the movie goes, once... Once everything kicks off, there's there's no coming or going. It's you're there. There's kind of a false start to the uh, to the movie because it's like the movie the movie starts out with this scene with Stacy, Rollo, and Kelly, and then it says one hour earlier, and it kind of fakes you out because you think like, okay, is everything in the movie going to be about like an hour, at, like one hour up to these deaths? And no, it's not like that at all. It's just, it, it shows like the, yeah, it, it just shows it, the guests it arriving. It shows you the initial murders and then, oh, it not, not shows you the initial murder. It shows you a couple of murders and then goes an hour earlier to, the to when arriving. everybody's arriving, goes through that hour and then plays on for another couple of days. Yeah. 
when I when I say it's a spoof, though, I, I think the movie sells itself as, uh, up as to be a kind of goofy riff on exploitation films of yesteryear because there's gratuitous nudity. Uh, there's there's people who are about to have a threesome in the jungle, you know, as, as and this is the opening scene. There's they're going to have a threesome in the jungle, but the jungle is too spooky. So they go to a jungle cemetery, but that's too spooky, too. So they go into a jungle cemetery mausoleum that has knives hanging on the wall. And that's where they they're going to get it on. And they start to. And uh, that, that's Rolo, Stacy and Kelly. The op- And that's the opening of the film where like the character Rolo is a douchebag and he kicks a gravestone over and says, you got a problem with that dead guy? Or something like that. It it's just like this comedic version of 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 slasher movies at that point because I, I I feel like they're they're making fun of like the the stupid people in horror movies. The well, yeah, things but people do in horror movies. Again, I don't know if I would necessarily say it's parody so much as horror comedy. I would well, say more like um, oh, oh, now I can't even remember what the the names of those movies were. The that came out like right after Scream, Anna Ferris uh, and. Final Destination? No. Meta Horror? No, the ones with Anna Faris. Oh, uh, Scary Movie. Yes, Scary Movie. Those were horror parodies. Yeah. This was just a a, more of a horror comedy. I would I would say that maybe the scary movies were spoofs of horror, like just like that completely were silly from beginning to end. Yeah. And there wasn't anything scary about them, but this, uh, I think this was a kind of, I think there was a ironic tongue in cheek kind of, well, yeah, but sensibility. You, you to can look like, at a lot is, of, haha, this is what slasher movies are like. You can look at a lot of horror, not even necessarily horror comedies. You can look at a lot of horror that came out at that time and where it starts to starting to get a little bit more meta and everything. And, and they're going to have some of that. Yeah. Well, they, they just can't, uh, you know, in the eighties, they would do it with a straight face in a sense. I think like, you know, 20 years later, when you're making a movie like this, you can't quite do it with a straight face because the audiences have been uh, sort of immunized to the to the weird little circumstances well, that, that happen to the group of, of guys that you write comedies anyway, you mm-hmm. can't help but put jokes in. Yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. No, I, and I, I would say really the, the only thing that I would classify as a parody thing would be the very end the rest of the movie i would say is horror comedy the ending would be a horror parody well that well i i would discuss you on that but then when we have to explain the ending to people we'll have to do that later yeah we'll get to it i'm i'm just um, laying out that's horror comedy up to the end and then it goes into a little bit of parody uh what was your favorite coconut peat moment favorite coconut peat moment yes when he was in the water, pouring the drink out on the hat. Oh, yeah, that was cute. Which yeah, I can't just... really explain without spoiling things because we've not talked about anything yet. Well, it starts with it starts with those three characters who were having sex in the mausoleum, and then something comes out of, after they play with a mochi ceramic phallus pot. Um, I think that's I, I think it's called mochi or mochi. Uh, that, uh, it was that's... a little statue with a giant penis. Yeah, well, that was that that was a that was a kind of Peruvian pottery that was uh, yeah. it was like a fertility was, thing, and the girls are like, "Oh, well, we don't even need you anymore," and they start to make yeah. out a little just to tease him, and mm-hmm. then things go horribly wrong for all three of them. Yes, when a masked uh, poncho wearing slasher character uh, comes out of the shadows of the mausoleum and and just kills Rolo quite mercilessly. 
I forget exactly how he does Barolo in. I think he just cuts it, stabs him through the neck. Um, I want to say it was a slash, like the neck, shoulder. I, I can't remember. He kills. He gets killed. The girls go running. One of them jumps off a cliff. or No, she falls off. And then well, the other she... one runs back towards the the resort. And just as she gets there, the killer comes up behind her and gets her too. Uh, the, the one girl, Kelly, uh, yeah, she runs to a cliff and she's sort of trapped there. And uh, she's about to fall off and she reaches to grab something. And she actually grabs the machete of the killer and starts cutting her hand as she slides over the edge. See, I was just going to leave that for if people hadn't watched it so they can experience that themselves well okay well, you talk about not spoiling things and you tell how how it happened yeah that was my bad but there is a abundant nudity in the film but uh actually you know what i, I don't think there's I, I don't know if i would say abundant there is a lot but at the same time the way this resort is set up it's not like it's oh yeah it's just let's let's just get everybody naked to keep them naked it's kind of set up in a way to where it's like a island of debauchery to begin with yeah the way i wrote in my notes is it's not like they, there's so much abundant nudity as there's just an abundant lack of clothes like, yeah uh, all the women in the movie are in bikinis well they're much. also on a tropical island so yeah they're it in a, makes on sense. a tropical island and they're in bikinis and, and swimwear and little shorts and that's for the most part like what the standard female costume is throughout the film yeah is uh so there is a lot of flesh on display throughout the film. Yes, there there is quite a bit of nudity as well. And yeah. depending on which version you watch, there might be even more. But as the story progresses, we get to the, uh, we start to see one, like little glimpses of what life is like on the resort uh, and what the guests get to have fun doing. They they have a, a they actually have a hedge maze where they, uh, where play somebody Pac-Man. can go inside and play Pac-Man, where they're Pac-Man. And uh, what they have to do is, like, girls in bikinis and T-shirts will run through the maze after the after Pac-Man. And uh, if he finds a, a, a yellow coconut with a booze in it, he can take a drink from the yellow coconut booze. And suddenly Pac-Man... It's like, like when Pac- Pac-Man eats a power pellet and yeah. now can and go after now, the ghosts. Now he can go after the ghosts. Various staff members from the island have to populate the maze as uh, bananas and watermelons and cherries. And, well, no, um, they didn't do the cherry. Um, no. They had, they, they, they had weren't allowed to do certain fruits. They had to do others. They were told they couldn't do the banana. And they're like, no, we're doing the banana with that one. We're, st- we're keeping. Yeah. There's they had a pretzel, a, banana. a watermelon, a pear and a banana. I yeah. think that we, um, we see. Yeah. Uh, and we see the pretzel and watermelon, because the pretzel is supposed to be there and not, so they go looking for him and find him in a shack having sex with the watermelon. He says, "Occupado, bro." That's uh, that's Juan, who is uh, kind of the ladies' man of the island. It seems like, and, it, and is the one that gives us the brilliant name of Penelope. Yes, Penelope is played by a uh, Jordan Lad. Jordan Lad. And uh, she is uh, a guest on the island. She's there by herself. Early in the movie, she she seems to get lost on her way to the pool, and she encounters Jenny, and uh, Jenny is carrying a gorilla thing that startles her, and uh, they have this funny little moment, and, and that's our little first introduction to Penelope, uh, until later at a party, she meets Juan, and Juan, who is well, apparently Well, she's never... basically attached to Juan by the fun police. Yeah. Yeah, he sees her, uh, you're not dancing with anybody. You're not dancing with anybody either. You're two going to dance together. And then he sort of ties a rope around them. He says, I now pronounce you man 
party man and wife or something. Yeah, they they are kind of dancing and Juan's trying to talk to her and looks down at her name tag and basically squeezes her tit to get the name tag into a better position for him to see it and calls her Penelope instead of Penelope. He says that he says it's a beautiful name. He's never seen that name before. Which I'm, I can't remember the name of the movie that that came from, but the the story was the guys that wrote it. They're, they're sitting watching a movie in a theater and the end credits come up and Penelope, I don't remember who, but the name came up on the screen and the guy behind him was like, Penelope? What kind of name's Penelope? Yeah. And they just thought it was hilarious and decided, okay, we, we got to use that. It was, uh, they were, they were watching Carlito's way with, uh, Al Pacino and Penelope Ann Miller. That's what it was. Yeah. But, uh, and then Penelope tells Juan that, uh, she goes to Oral Roberts and Ro- Juan says, is that like Anil Johnson? Oh, wait, that is, no, I or mean, Dirty Sanchez, Sanchez, which, and she goes, I don't know what that is. She goes, it's not for you, which is, uh, it's kind of disgusting that he would admit to ever having done Dirty, t- a, a Dirty Sanchez, but especially upon meeting a girl and he's lucky that she doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, but- I will say though, that from the way it sounds, she was fairly game for just about anything because she told them that she was up for doing a scene where she can't comes out of the cabin or the, the cabana or whatever they call it. Um, when she comes out of her room after having sex with Juan, but she comes out with a dirty Sanchez. Yeah. She was up for playing that gag. Well, is that in the unrated version? No, that was one of the things that they like, yeah, she, she was great. She was up for whatever and didn't have any problems. She was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. I think the only thing that they say that she wasn't really for was her little thumbs up thing. And they convinced her to do it anyway. But I can't say anything more about the thumbs up because again, that's a spoiler. As the, as the story goes, we also see on the Island that they have some, a lot of what they, a lot of their activities are based on, on like drinking games. It seems like, like they have a, well, they're, they're, Making fun of the the weird games that you would normally have at those kinds of resort vacation places, uh, like Muffball was one of them. Yeah, actually, I, I wrote down the uh, activities board, and uh, they had things like uh, Sun Salute, Muffball, Tennis, Free Drinks, Drinking Games, Ping Pong, Karate Robics, Ass Pass, Fashion Show, Sexercise, and Theme Party. And uh, they had different staff organized to be at each one of those events. Yeah, Brittany Daniel played Jenny. She was the one that led the the karate aerobics, I believe. No, Lars did that. I know he was the masseuse. Well, what what was she doing when she was leading the weird aerobics aerobics thing with the punching or with the the boxing gloves and doing all okay. the kicks? According to their activity board, that is sexercise. Uh, okay. And uh, Dave was supposed to do Sun Salute. Uh, and Dave spends a good portion of this movie wasted. Yeah. At, at one point, he 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 is kind of like the the island dealer. Um, yeah. And then DJ things and start to go dealer. weird, and he starts to just go nuts taking his own stash. Yes. But uh, on the activities board uh, for the week, it uh, it showed Sam doing muffball, Dave doing sun salute, Kelly doing ping pong, which he never got to do, uh, Stacy doing drinking games, uh, Juan doing ass pass, along with Marcel, who I don't remember ever seeing in the movie, 
was the character Marcel in the movie at some point? Who the fuck was Marcel? Because he's on the IMDb as a as a cast member and an actor. But I don't remember anybody saying, hey, Marcel, get over here or anything like that. I don't that. remember hearing the name. Maybe if I saw the face, but I don't remember hearing the name. Yeah. Um, I know, like, Muffball, there was two teams. There was a red, and basically they're all wearing Merkins. Merkins? I believe that. Isn't that what it's pubic called? Pubic wig? Yeah. That's a pubic wig. Yeah. So they're all they're all wearing Merkins. Um, some of them are red, some of them are black. And you have to throw a ball at the the merkins no idea what the point of the game is other than just throwing balls at people's crotches but that was the game i think this was in the unrated version because i didn't see it in the uh theatrical the the closest thing i saw to that was uh it was them uh they would have did you do you remember the balloon game where uh one person would yeah. bend over with a balloon tied to their ass and the other yeah, person which would get actually them and- is a game that gets played quite a bit you remember when when uh, Lars showed up with a boat? Uh, yeah, yeah. The game they were playing in the background was muffball. Oh, I uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's what that was. But, but anyway. as the as the story goes on, you know, we we talked about Juan meeting Penelope, uh, but Lars is a new masseur on the island, and he is played by uh, Kevin Hefferman, who is a large, heavy man. Yeah, uh, he he was the he was the butt of the jokes and Super Troopers. Yeah, um, but he he lost quite a bit of weight for this movie. He's still large, but he apparently has some very talented fingers. Yeah, yeah, almost superhumanly talented. Uh, he's able to use pressure points to disable people and cause them to, overwhelming pleasure to fall asleep, to pee themselves. Um, just orgasm. intense orgasms by you just like i don't know let's tweak somebody's nose or push on their yeah. lip and they experience immense pleasure yeah oh no and also something with the neck too i don't know if it's a neck or shoulder because that was the first time when he is talking to jenny and you and mentions that he's him he's the new masseur and they're like, oh, yeah, well, let's see what you can do. And they turn around, and he grabs them both at, like, the neck-shoulder area. And both of them just have this look of ecstasy on their faces. And then later, yeah. he goes up behind Jenny and does that again as she's taking a drink. And she just dribbles it all over herself. And so you need to give a girl a warning before you do that. Yeah. So uh, his massage skills are played up for comedy a little bit. And uh, you know, especially considering the fact that they're superhuman, and uh, he seems to... Like uh, Lars is uh, shown meditating with swords and says he's just doing a little chi kung right then, which is a real kind of Chinese meditation. Uh, and she asks, uh, Jenny asks Lars, like, uh, what did you do before this? And he says, oh, little Dianetic. I did the Dianetic thing, spent a little time in the forum. Those are both real sort of self-help things like Dianetics and Scientology, obviously. I don't know if I would say Dianetics and self-help go together. I well, fair enough. Yeah. Well, they're both uh, cult. I would say they're things. both actual things, yep. but I wouldn't call it self-help by any means. Fair enough. No. Uh, well, some people seem to like it. I I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bash anyone's choice of religions. I'm just going to say there's no way anyone would describe Scientology as self-help. Okay. Well, he he also says he spent a little time in the forum. That's EST, uh, which was a real kind of thing in the 70s and 80s. It was uh, kind of these, wanted to say, self-help seminars, but people called it a cult. And he says he did a little Falun Chong, 
Yeah, he he spent a lot of time studying different religions and meditation practices and all kinds of mystical arts. But then he settled on the best philosophy he'd ever found was the philosophy of Coconut Peak. Of just have a good time all the time. Hey, I mean, if it works. As a Dudist priest, what is your take on Lars and Coconut Pete in general? You know, I never really looked at it like that. It's just more like, I guess Coconut Pete is more along the lo- those lines. Because, I mean, he kind of just is uh, go go with the flow and take things as they happen. As long as it's not, you know, some random drunk girl telling him to play Margaritaville. He doesn't like that, no. No, well, because he, he wrote Pina Colada Berg years before Margaritaville ever came out. Yes. And uh, he, he, I think he calls, uh, he, he angrily calls Jimmy Buffett a son of a son of a bitch. Yeah, which apparently was an improvised line, too. Bill Paxton is a lot more comedic in this than what I've, I'm used to from a lot of his other roles. Um, I, I know he can, or he could be, the funny guy. And even like Predator 2, he was cracking jokes and things. Yeah. But from what I understand... A good portion of his lines in this movie were improvised. And he did a great job. He, he did a great job, yeah. I think. I think he uh, came up with this character of Coconut Pete that he just knew how to inhabit, and uh, and he just went with it. Yeah, and, and even uh, though that even though Jimmy Buffett um, is called a son of a son of a bitch, they had Jimmy Buffett to a screening of this, and he loved it. He walked out of the screening singing. I think it was Pina Colladaberg that he walked out singing. Um, it might have been one of the others. But when it was done, he told the guys that he wanted to play some of those songs at his shows and was even talking about recording an album of Coconut Pete songs. Which uh, I, a, an album of Coconut Pete songs was put out, uh, I think, in 2017 called Take Another Hit, The Best of P- Coconut Pete. I've never listened to it, but it, it does have the songs from the movie. I think Bill Paxton came back and did it shortly before he died. Yeah, and he was a singer in a band years ago anyway, so he wasn't all that he wasn't all that new to doing that kind of thing. He was new to playing the guitar though, and he was pretty insistent that he get lessons to play the guitar because when he is first seen in front of all the guests and everything, and he's playing the guitar while saying all these lines and doing all this other stuff. In 1982, Bill Paxton and his friend Andrew Todd Rosenthal formed a new wave musical band called Martini Ranch. Uh, I did not know Bill Paxton sang in that, though. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, the the album uh, Take Another Hit, Best of Coconut Pete, was actually released in 2018. But we've uh, I think we've set up enough background characters. Now, as the movie progresses, I was, the at the first part of the movie is really just uh, like as Lars comes to the island and introduces himself. Through him, we meet a lot of the characters of the island and we get a sense of them. And, yeah, uh, and when we meet the characters, we tend to have or they tend to give us two introductions. They give us the friendly introduction and they give us the is this the killer introduction, the scary introduction? Yes, because every character has some kind of the, the mystery of the, Yeah, the mystery of the killer is pretty well done. A lot of the staff of the island are, are just sort of like just off. It's just a, in little ways for them to be like possible suspects. Like superhuman Masseuse Lars is a prime suspect at one point for his creepy shrine to Coconut Pete that he has in his room. Well, that and he's got the swords. The he's thing, the, swords. the killing started when he got to the island 
There's yeah. a lot of reasons to suspect him. Juan is the suspect because he has a hidden criminal past. Which uh, comes up in the un, unrated because there is more there. And there's even a confrontation between him and one of the cops who recognized him. Ah, more reason for me to watch the unrated version. Uh, Jenny is a suspect. Uh, that's Brittany Daniels is Jenny, who, by the way. Uh, when was she a suspect? I was oh, just trying uh, to figure out because I know you weren't. I think she becomes a Saudi a, a suspect to the audience when it's possible that she fed rat poison to the star of the TV show. She, TV show she was on, and when she's not working on the resort, she was on some show called Amy's Aerobics or something. Or Aerobics yeah, she Amy. she became she she becomes the new Amy Aerobics. Yeah, and uh, after after two people had died on the show. Yeah, I, I forgot about the 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 Amy Aerobics dying thing. Yeah. And uh, Dave, the DJ drug dealer, is a suspect because his parents were killed at Coconut Pea concert, or at least Putman finds uh, that uh, finds this little fact about him and suspects him. So the guest Putman's the, the staff, a, a suspect because his hair who, looks like an octopus. Yeah, Putman. <laughs> at one point, yes. Uh, and even Penelope is a suspect because she has some pretty. Well, Penelope is skills. a creepy little girl at at points. Yeah. And she says, like, you've been naughty, Juan. I see everything. Like, like she's a stalker. And she body slams him. Yeah. Jordan Ladd is a small girl. She's not very tall. Uh, and she just body slams Juan like it's nothing. Yes, she does. And, and these are the circumstances that they all deal with as they navigate this strange new situation they all have to live in where the staff is trying to keep this island going for the guests to keep having fun in this endless party where they're dealing with a, a slasher who's stalking them and killing them. At like at one, I, I think after they, uh, they it's funny after they discover the radios and the boats are disabled, uh, they have a beach party for all the guests. Well, it's not really fires. the boats are disabled. It's one of the boats just is sent off driverless out into the water. And the other one has gone missing. Right. But, uh, it shows it shows all the guests partying on this beach, having a great time with three bonfires, and then the camera goes up where the guests can't see, and you see the bonfire spell out SOS for yeah. passing. And that's and that's when Dave starts in with the drugs pretty heavy. Yeah, and we we also see Putman who's going through uh, Dave's record box, being snarky British guy. And by the way, Jay Chandrasekhar's British accent in this is hilarious. It's just hilarious. Yeah, it is. I, I, I can't. Uh, I mean, one of the he, things they said was there was times when because of that accent, he would just look you straight in the face and start talking and you couldn't not laugh. It was so hard to keep a straight face with him. No, I, I laughed. I, I laughed out loud when uh, when he said, uh, whatever, you can go with you, you can go with no weapons. I'm taking a machete. Yeah. Speaking Friends. of that. So did you notice when he was selecting the weapons, did you notice what he was doing? No. What was he doing? So there's this rack and he's pulling out all these different things. Like he pulls out a baseball bat and all this stuff. And at one point he's got a tennis racket and a baseball bat that he's trying to decide between. Does that sound familiar at all to you? Um, is that from Pulp can you Fiction? Think, or, can you think or of Bruce? any other movie where they had to decide between a tennis racket and a baseball bat? Uh, it, it's sort of ringing a bell, but I can't put a name on the movie. Phantasm. Phantasm. Oh, really? Yeah. They do the huh. same thing in Phantasm. Well, I think it's a quick decision. I mean, what's a, what's a better weapon, a tennis ball or a baseball bat? I mean, well, yeah, but I, remember, 
Putnam's the tennis, the tennis coach. Which, you know, how many freaking times are we going to have tennis? At least this one, the tennis it's shown, it's not really tennis. And there's humor to it. I think this is, so far, of all the movies we've had with tennis, the best. Yeah. Also, did J. Chandrasekhar really study? Is he a tennis player? Because he was able to... No. You know, you, he's not? From what I understand, he's not. He, even later when he... Um, He's got the kinky cuffs on his leg. He couldn't make those shots because the the ceiling was too low. So there was somebody off screen just throwing tennis balls. Okay. Well, I just remember when... Uh, oh, there's also a funny character named Dirk, who's played by Sam Levine, who uh, who gets on Putnam's case throughout the movie. <laughs> little Lord Fontleroy. Ooh, Little Lord Fontleroy there. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he just... Every time Putnam... Putnam tries to do anything so you're vaguely serious or, or, or well, I think or, the first time he, he like, goes up against Putnam going, is when Putnam's trying to hit on Jenny at the bar. Yeah. And, and Sam, uh, Levine's character, Dirk just walks up and says, Oh yeah, I heard what you were talking about. Yeah. Cox and quarters. We have a name for that in the States too. It's called hide the sausage. He's just the most, he, he's like the most annoying guest there. Yeah. And he, he is, he singles out Putnam as like, uh, somebody to, to torment. And but there was this yeah, great... at, at one point Jenny is scared, decides to go to the pool, and there's a bunch of people there, and she's like, Oh, are you guys gonna be here for a while? And they're like, Oh yeah, we're just getting started. So she dives in, some naked guy comes running by, they all follow, so she's now alone. And then right. someone jumps into the pool and she freaks out and is trying to get away. And whoever jumped in the pool grabs her and pulls her back, and now she's panicking, and it turns out to be him. It's Dirk. And he's like, Oh yeah, so what's up babe and just hitting on her and she's like you fucking ass and then suddenly he acts like something tries to pull him and he's like what something just brushed against my leg and it's like oh no it's just my huge cock so want to get it on babe? yeah because he clearly had so much game i mean he's a ridiculous character and all the characters are ridiculous characters they're all ridiculous yes but uh but i i think that I, I was thinking maybe Jay Chandrasekhar had some real tennis skills because when Dirk is is making fun of him at the tennis practice thing, uh, oh, when he's standing Putnam, behind him dancing around, and yeah, Putnam just turns around and starts hitting him with tennis balls, like just bam, bam, bam. Well, yeah, but I mean they weren't that far away, and they weren't editing. Um, you can do that for all day long to get the the three shots you want. Maybe I don't. It, I don't know. I thought Jay Chandrasekhar. I don't, I don't think it. he he had tennis background. I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he practiced enough to be able to hit Sam Levine a few times. It, it could be. It could be Levine. It could be. T- I think it's Ted Levine and Sam Levine. Uh, I think I or maybe the names are pronounced the same. I, I'm pretty sure when they were talking about him in the commentary, they were saying Levine. Okay. Yeah. And do, do we know who Ted Levine played? Who, what's his famous horror role? The name sounds familiar. Ted Levine. He's real, you know, he has a real deep voice and he tells people to put the lotion. Okay. okay. Again, I'm, I'm horrible with names. I don't know why you should throw a name at me and ask if I know who that is. Faces I'll recognize. Well, Ted Levine has an amazing face. The well, yeah. Buffalo Bill as well. I, well, Buffalo Bill, he was the, the dad in the Hills Have Eyes remake. He was uh, the captain on Monk. He's had a he's had a long career after Silence. Yeah, of the he's Planet. done quite a few great characters. Yeah, basically, as the movie goes, we we have this slasher situation where the staff is trapped on the island with the guests. They have to keep the party going while they're being killed. One of the most hilarious deaths I I thought 
in the movie was when uh, one of the staff members is intent on telling the guests so that they can all work together to get off the island. And she start and I, I, I said she, but uh, one of the uh, staff members is trying to get off the island and she wants to tell all the. <sighs> one of the staff anyway. members trying to get off the, or wants to get everybody off the island safely and decides that the way to do that is to tell everybody that there is a murderer on the loose. Yeah. That uh, goes but, horribly uh, wrong. It goes horribly wrong, and they are trying to escape the machete killer in a golf cart uh, on a little island road. And they they turn the golf cart on, and you think, okay, it's not going to work. Slasher movie. It's not, you know. Well, it's, I, it I, was I kind one, of a, a little nod to the whole, like, people trying to get in the car, and they're fumbling with the keys. They can't get in and get it in the ignition and, and doing all that stuff. So that's what she's trying to do. And it was mentioned earlier that somebody keeps forgetting to charge the golf carts. Ah. Uh, so when she gets the key in and starts, you see the battery's almost dead and it's like going at a snail's pace and the killer just walks up right next to her. While she's or, in the golf the ki- the ki- Yeah. Well, I see now I'm saying her. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a her. But there's so many women in this movie. Yeah. And it's uh, and uh, another great kill was uh, there, there's a tough guy on the island who confronts the killer and... Uh, well, it, it doesn't end well. Uh, it's not really much I can say no. there that, that, without well, spoiling. Any time, basically, you can say it doesn't end well. Yeah. Uh, well, no. Juan and Penelope, when they were trying to figure out if Penelope was a killer, that ended well. That did it well. At least for Juan. Yeah. For, for it, Dave, I, I think... Sam, and Jenny, not so much. No. Though no. Jenny did throw out a line in there that because like that, that kind of makes you think this could be a very interesting scene because I don't know about you but I was kind of thinking I'd like to see that oh where where Jenny and Penelope maybe have a, yeah a, a she's moment. yelling at Juan and said now you're just doing this to have sex how would you feel if I went out there and had sex and Juan's like okay yeah. It's it's never that's never a good suggestion for a, a pretty woman to make to a guy. She'll, oh no! And Brittany Daniel is just gorgeous, and she, there's not an ounce of fat on her she in this is, movie. Oh, she is built like a truck in oh, this movie. Man. Uh, well, okay, I'm sorry. She's built like a very sleek sports car or something. She's built like a Lamborghini. She, there, she has abs in this movie that last. Oh, days. she's she, rocking a six pack hard in this. Yeah, she is, and and. Yeah, I I don't know if Brittany Daniel what her fitness regimen is, but it is it works for her because yeah, she apparently must she serious. was on a very strict diet at the time too. She was eating like half a piece of fish every three hours. So while they were filming, there's one spot where they're all in the water, and you they said yeah, every now and then you just see this guy on a jet ski bringing her food because she's got to have her half a piece of fish every three hours. Huh. And there's one scene that they said that was going to end up on the cutting room floor, but it's got Brittany and she just looks too good to cut the scene. And she's got this little top on and she's walking around in her panties and you don't see, it's not like you really see a a shot of her in her panties walking around. Like when I say it, that's what you would imagine. It's like a side shot. She comes up to the door. You can kind of see through. She opens the door and walks out. And then there's a shot of her from behind and you've seen her abs. Most of the time you see her any other way. She's in a skirt or she's got a sarong or something. But this shot of her from behind, you see not only is her abs tight and toned, her behind is tight and toned. She is just fit from head to toe. She's in great shape. Oh, yes. 
And um, and I will be honest. It takes a lot of work to stay that. When this movie like came that. out, she was the reason I saw this movie. I remember her when she was a doubleman twin. I remember seeing the commercials of her and her sister. I remember seeing her on various TV shows throughout the years. As soon as I saw she was going to be in this movie, okay. Especially when the poster showed her in a bikini. Ah. Like, I'm there. I don't care if she takes it off or not. I'm there. That was all I needed for this movie. And then I found out, oh, it's the same guys that did Super Troopers. Even better. Hmm. Uh, Grimm is a is a, a passionate Brittany Daniels fan. Uh, and this is one of his favorite movies. I think we've learned everybody. Well, I don't know if I would say it was one of my favorite. But you got to admit, she is gorgeous. She is gorgeous in the movie. But uh, a lot of the comedy in the movie is uh, is just spot on because uh, like like the thing I we're let's talk about different horror comedies we've watched. Now uh, I think Bubba Hotep you could say is a horror like, comedy. Straight, straight it's up. a horror comedy. Yeah. And then we have Night of the Demons, which was more com- comedy horror because oh. uh, I think it. I think, I think there's more the horror than comedy. There's some comedy yes, there, but I mean. there's more horror than comedy. Bubba that's Hotep I, is more comedy than horror. That's what I that's what I meant to say. And I think this movie was a little bit more comedy than horror. It's as well. Yeah, the horror starts later in the movie. Leading up to it, there's a lot of comedy with a few little horror moments. And then towards the end, it really digs in it digs in its heels in the horror while still having smatterings of comedy throughout the, that part. Well, uh like for instance, yeah, there's still smatterings of comedy, but I think the comedy like uh like for instance, there's a scene where somebody has a machete to their throat, and uh, and they use a uh, they use a, a comedy moment to to save themselves. They and uh, that's all I can really say about it. Uh, but it's I, and like, I, I know which scene you're talking about because yeah, the, I, all you had to say is machete to the throat. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's it's a comedy moment. It's a throwback to an earlier scene that was pretty well set up. It's still kind of along the lines of what I would say is the horror. Because even, look at some of the best horrors. They're going to have some moments where there's some kind of a laugh or something just to break up that tension, just to get you to feel more at ease so then they can really hammer that that scare home. That's true. Uh, Evil Dead was, Evil Dead 2 was famous for being scary and and funny. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite horror comedies is Return of the Living Dead, which uh, just had a holiday uh, recently. Because uh, if, what day did uh, Return of the Living Dead take place on, Graham? Do you remember? Uh, what day did it take place on? It took place on July 3rd, 1984. Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed like it was around the 4th of July time. Yeah. As I was saying uh, in the movie uh, with Club Dread, we've talked about Bill Paxton, but one of the great parts of the movie, I think, with Club Dread is just Coconut Pete. And I... I, I can't talk enough about Bill Paxton's Coconut Pete because to me he was one of the one of the real highlights of the movie. We meet Coconut Pete on the island as the guests are arriving, and one of the funny things to me about it was, uh, okay, he's a kind of Jimmy Buffett ripoff character in mm-hmm. a sense. He's supposed to be like a Jimmy Buffett guy. Yep. And all the all all these people are showing up to his pleasure island party central place, and uh, it also something to me that it I think this movie capitalized on was this kind of girls gone wild phenomenon that was happening in the 2000s and late 90s or mostly the 2000s where uh there was this perception among many in america that everywhere young women went to party was this amazing uh orgy waiting to happen kind of thing 
And uh, so they took that kind of expectation, mixed it with a Jimmy Buffett character with his own kind of pleasure island. And that set up the basic setting for the movie. But with Coconut Pete, we have this amazing Bill Paxton performance where he he plays this washed up, uh, you know, tropical sort of, rocker. Yeah, tropical rock. Uh, I, I don't even know what you call it. What, whatever you would call Jimmy Buffett. Tropical rock. You, tropical rock. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, but uh, and as I was watching the movie, I was thinking to myself, okay, yeah, this is a cool uh, Jimmy Buffett uh, parody. And uh, then he's he's playing at a after this party, he's playing around a campfire with all these guests, and he's playing Pina Colada Burger. No, he's not. He's playing one of his yeah, he's playing Island one of the, the other songs. Yeah, and uh, and one of the guests very stupidly asks him to play Margaritaville, and that hit that made me laugh out loud. At, right there because i thought in the universe of the movie this is jimmy buffett that like there would be no jimmy buffett in this universe because that that slot is occupied by coconut pete but no no in the universe in this in this universe portrayed in this movie coconut pete was a tropical rock star before jimmy buffett and jimmy buffett just surpassed him and everybody kind of forgot coconut pete and now he's like he's pissed because it's like i was first yeah and he's very proud of his he, he's proud of his career, even though he doesn't remember it very well. Well, at least it, some of the albums, because it was the seventies, and he was too high to even remember making some of the albums. Yeah, and and that that just makes him cooler in my experience, in in my estimation, because uh, that's just such a it's like Bill Paxton walking around in a David Lee Roth hat and open shirt, and he's just like, yeah, I don't well, even remember the, making that album. He's got the long hey, hair. Hey, good looking. The beard. How are you? Yeah, he's got the long hair. He's got the shades. He's, he doesn't look like he ever shaves or anything. And it and he's always wearing shorts. And he's got a guitar with him. And, he, and he's and he's so cheesy talking to the guys. He's like, "Hey, everybody! If you're not having fun, we'll make you have fun." And, and he, he's got these cheesy sort of lines. And that, well, at, at one point in the movie, he even talking to the staff. He says, "And have sex with with the guests. Some of them aren't that bad looking." Yeah, and they all laugh at it. Yeah, I mean it, it's. If it wouldn't hurt you, would you have sex with some of the guests? Some of them ain't bad looking. That's that's my Bill Paxton yeah, his, impression. His whole point of this island is just everybody come get high, get drunk, and screw. And have as yeah, just have as yeah. much fun as possible. It, this is a sex, drugs, and rock and roll island. Yeah, and uh, but I whenever Bill Paxton is on the screen, I just I I cannot help but smile watching whatever he's going to do next as Coconut Pete, like. Uh, I love him when he hates Jimmy Buffett. I, I love the way he wears his captain's hat, like it's like it's some sort of just thing. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, even at one point when they're in Dave's room or whatever, when they're when they're trying to figure out what's going on, listening to one of the songs, just the way he's intently staring at the record player with his glasses halfway down his nose, like he's, he's studying this, trying to figure out what is going on. And they're yeah. using something I did, and I don't even remember doing it. Yeah, he's 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 concentrating with all his might, trying to interpret this song that he wrote, and he can't even. He, he's trying to puzzle through it. He's like, "Okay, there was an octopus. Uh, oh yeah, naughty cows like an ocean cowboy. Uh, he, he goes undersea with his buddies. I, I don't know. I don't even remember making the record. Uh, and uh, yeah, and." Yeah, that's like when Jenny says, how do you not remember your own song? And he's like, I don't even remember making the record. Yeah. 
And then Jenny says, this is the dumbest song I've ever heard it. And of course, Coconut B doesn't remember making it and he doesn't remember any of it, but he gets very defensive at that point and says, well, why don't you just tell us what you really think? You know, I'm sorry. I have five gold records. How many do you have? Yeah. He's very proud of his career. Yeah. Even though he doesn't remember much of any of it. Well, you know, things happen when you've been doing drugs for a long time and you're well past your prime. I could have watched them. I mean, this movie could have had no horror aspects to it. And, and it could have just been like a, a cheesy hard bodies type sex comedy with coconut Pete and as like some sort of ringleader. And I, I think it would have been watchable just with coconut Pete on camera. Like it, like I could have, like you could make a prequel about this movie with no kills and just make it about coconut Pete starting the resort. And I would, I would love to watch that movie. Yeah, It, it has kind of like a, um, hard bodies, porkies, meatballs feel. Okay, and then the killing meatballs. starts. Meatballs is a kids camp movie, isn't it? Well, there, yeah, but there's th- there's some similarities there. Okay, but yeah, it's it has that definite feel to it with yeah. some horror thrown in, which makes which with pretty much every staff member being a red herring. It the murder mystery is pr- done pretty well, and I di- I. I didn't see who the I didn't realize who the killer was when they when the reveal finally happens. Like I yeah, they did a really good job at keeping that secret. Yeah, I I don't remember how many times or I don't know how many times I've watched this, and it's been a while since I've watched it. And it's like okay, yeah, we're we're gonna cover this, so let me bust out the the disc and throw it in. And watching it, I kept thinking it was somebody else. It's been so long that. I was like, no, it's this. Oh, no, it isn't. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I need to watch this more. Not just yeah, so I remember, movie. just because it, it's a fun movie. It is. It, it Critics didn't care for it much. No, uh, no, they didn't. And it wasn't a big hit. No. Uh, but I think it's be, it's gone on to have a cult following. Which seems to be pretty much par for the course for us. Yeah, uh, that's par <laughs> for the I think We that's haven't really picked just, anything that was a big hit. No, well, Fifth Element did well, ish. Yeah, it did. It it was popular. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It wasn't popular enough to do another one. Granted, it was supposed to be a trilogy to begin with, and that got combined down into one script. I think if they would have done it as a trilogy, it probably would have been better. Yeah, it would have been funner. Um, got to see more Corbin and Lilu. What's but, the worst part of the movie? Do you of, of Club Dread? The worst part of the movie? Yeah. Is there any part of the movie that you would be like? So are are you already asking me what I would change? Is that what's? No. Is there just any part of the movie that, that you just think uh, that could they, they could have cut that out? Um, I'm sure there's something wrong answer. Grim. The worst part of the movie is when coconut Pete is no longer in the movie. Well, see now you're giving away spoilers again. I'm, I'm trying to, to think of things that aren't going to spoil anything and because you're you're the one that's against spoilers and you're the one that keeps spoiling things what's going on yeah, with that well something i'm sorry i just I, <laughs> I i i feel so bad when coconut pete like you know stop being in the movie i i think the worst part of the movie is uh, was cutting the the cops completely out of the theatrical were they the super trooper cops no okay um where did super troopers take place anyway was that around seattle or something i don't remember Okay. But yeah, I can't really think of, I can't really think of anything bad. So I'm guessing you can't think of anything you would really change about the movie either? Oh no, I can think of some things that would change. What would you change? Well, you know, that's for the end. Okay. Or for the end-ish. What was your favorite kill? I, I think the my favorite kill 
would have my, my favorite kill was cliff the pair yeah okay specifically because he was hit with the pair was eating a pear, threw uh, it on the ground and then was hit with it before being killed just that what what about that just makes and, it more interesting just the, just the, the fact that a pear eating a pear then hit with the pear it just was an interesting little thing I don't remember seeing Cliff the pair outside of his pair costume. Do you, was there no. ever a scene where he was just Cliff not being a pair? No. But and another thing is is I think I've asked this already is who the hell was Marcel? Because on the on the pleasure staff list, we have Sam. We know who Sam is. He's the fun police. We have Dave. We know who he is. He's the DJ. We have Kelly. We know who she is. She was one of the girls at the beginning. We have Stacy, another girl at the beginning. Juan, we know who he is. He's the water sports guy who dive instructor, whatever. I it's I think it was kind of a joke that they made him water Juan water sports. Uh, anyway, then we have Cliff, who we know is the pair. We have you, who helps with the who helps. She was assigned to, huh? She wasn't assigned anything on the uh, on the uh, activities board. Then we have Jenny Putman, Carlos. Carlos was a cook. I think we. I, I, I'm familiar with that. Then we have Rolo, Lars, and Marcel. Who the hell was Marcel? Rolo was one of the was the douchebag at the beginning who liked his nipples being licked. And Lars is the new masseur. He already had a name on his. He already had his name on the activities board, but we never meet Marcel. So who the hell was Marcel? That's what I would change about the movie. I'm trying to find him. He's in the cast list. I think he must be in the unrated version Where or the extended is, cut or something. There's but, Marcel. I'm just trying to see a picture of him. Huh. Um, because at some point he must have died. Was his name crossed off on the board? No. Because the picture of him doesn't look familiar. No, it doesn't. I assume you're on IMDb? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, know, it, I looks, it looks familiar, but it doesn't look familiar for the movie. There's a couple people that I'm thinking of in the movie that it could be. Oh, I have no idea. And you've seen this movie more than I have. I've seen it twice. What was um, the scariest part of the movie to you, Grim? The scariest part of the movie? Yeah. Was there a scariest part of the movie? Um, see, I'm still. I want to see if you think it's the same part I do. I, well, I'm I think still was... looking for Marcel. Okay. Well, we've. I think I've clearly established that Marcel was a non-character in the movie who was alluded to but never shown. Maybe. I can't hear what you're saying. Maybe. Well, you I, just. Well, I just found a picture. If I can get this picture larger, I might be able to. If he was in the movie, oh, you no, wouldn't be having there. to look this hard to find him. Not necessarily, because the IMDb picture could look drastically different it all depends on how long ago the the picture was done or yeah it depends on how how far between the picture and the the movie look i saw i saw marcel's name on the activities board and i actively listened through the rest of the movie for anyone to say marcel no one might not have said it he could have been in some one of the scenes somewhere or it could have been that he was there and ended up everything he did got cut out could be but either way if if he was one of the staff members on the activities board then it would have made more sense to take his name off the activities board and then have his name be there like some stranger who no it's never explained who he is what he does or how he dies yeah so that's if i if i could change one thing about the movie i'd be like well who the hell was marcel um it says he's one of the officials on pleasure island Where, where does it say that uh on the wiki page officials what does that mean was he like was there a rank the only official i remember was coconut pete and maybe his buddy hank and everyone else was just staff 
I don't Sam know. Had some, Sam seemed to outrank the few of them because he was the fun police. Well, Cliff is a menial worker. I think Cliff was the cook. Uh, Kelly is an understudy to you. She's a waitress. Stacy is an assistant to Putnam. Rolo is a staff member. Julio's a groundskeeper. Julio? Yeah. You. Hmm. He was Carlos. Sorry. Julio right. played Carlos. Carlos Thank was a groundskeeper. You. you is a waitress. MC Ganey played Hank. He was former FBI homicide and Coconut Pete's bodyguard. Right. Work security in all of his tours. Yeah, I'm not seeing any others that say official, but Marcel is one of the officials on Pleasure Island. Well, huh? I'm just saying, if I could change anything, I would maybe have not, maybe have deleted Marcel from the picture or at least had a scene still in the movie or something. Well, why? I mean, we don't necessarily need to have all the characters. And there's... It's a huge loose thread to me. Okay. Just it, it's a it's a loose end. It's a hanging. It's a it's a it's a hanging plot point. It's like the who who's Marcel? Where was he? What's going on? Did he get killed? That's a. I mean, when you have a character set up to die to slash a movie, I want to see that character die. I would like. I don't like the character to just vanish without a trace for no reason. At least in Friday the Thirteenth movies, like you know, if the character wasn't on Camp Crystal Lake, you know, or if they weren't there in the in the murder area of Jason. You know, they they had an excuse to be somewhere else, or they got killed. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I mean that that's just how slasher movies work. Generally, yeah. Yeah, these are Friday the Thirteenth rules. These are the rules of slasher movies. Well, even Friday the Thirteenth rules were broken by Friday the Thirteenth. Yes, but for comedy, there's nothing particularly funny about Marcel. You know, not existing. But enough time we've spent on Marcel. Well, I mean, they don't necessarily need to put a face to every name. What's your favorite I mean, coconut? If you think about album. it, there's going to be all kinds of things or all kinds of times when, like, say, even if it's in a in a hotel, you're going to have a ton of hotel staff, but you don't necessarily need to see every staff member. But if you're looking at, say, a, a staff sheet that's going to have all the names, trying to figure out, okay, who was on shift or who who was here when this was going on, you might see a lot more names than people you actually see because he could very easily have been one of the people running around outside freaking out maybe maybe not i don't know i'll never know or because this was um as far as lars this was his first time there but it was still the final week because when when rollo's hitting on jenny he says it's the last week mm. so it could be that marcel is one of the people that left because remember lars is replacing the masseuse that was there so yeah. marcel could have Inga left when she left but swedish woman yeah, so he could have left when she left because we never meet her either. Yeah, well, I think she, it was her week off or something because Dave Dave walks up to Lars and says we we had a six foot Swedish girl and we got we traded her for this guy. Yeah, yeah, she she left. It could have been that she quit. It could have been she got fired. It could have been that she was only hired for so long. She could have been on vacation. There's any number of reasons why she wasn't there. I'm not complaining but, about the lack of six foot Swedish. Oh no, girl. what I'm saying is since we know that she left he could have left at some point too it's not like when you get there you're there for the for the duration of the season so that could be why we never meet him i i don't know either way let me see on the activities board marcel was supposed to be doing ass pass okay well they were playing that at one point on the beach so i don't know watch the scene again and pay close attention to the people that are playing i'm not going to watch the whole movie again (laughs) just to find marcel 
Well, then I guess it doesn't matter that much, does it? It does not. Well, then why I, I, is that, it such a huge issue for you trying to figure out who he is if it doesn't matter enough for you to watch a scene to see, okay, which one of these guys is it? I'd have to watch the whole movie again to see to, to find the scene. I've got other movies I need to watch. I just recently found a, 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 a new ranking list of the 72 video nasties, and I'm going down them right now to find out which ones I haven't watched. You know what the video nasties are? Yeah. All and right. I would say you're probably just recently found this movie too from what i remember yes because i remember when we initially were talking about uh oh yeah let's let's do this and we're coming trying to come up with our uh initial these are the movies we're going to cover to begin with list mm -hmm. and club dread was on that list and you didn't seem too open to that you kind of sounded like, like oh, i don't that, that's not no let, let's do something else Oh, well, you I didn't you have seemed book. like Club Dread was not your cup of tea, and you didn't want to really venture into that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yes. Club Dread scared me horribly. I didn't. Well, know that scared I, you. It's just kind of one that's like, yeah, I, that's not. Uh, yeah, let's do something else. It, it was kind of like you know the attitude that somebody's trying to get you to watch something you don't want to watch, but you don't want to watch it because it's either something that everybody has told you is bad it's something that what you've seen of it is like i have no desire whatsoever to watch that there's some something some kind of reason why it's like yeah that's no let's let's do something else mm. but it's sounding like you've changed your mind yes i enjoy club Dread. i enjoy the film especially bill paxton yeah he, he is great in this movie i haven't made a list of all of bill paxton scenes we first why meet does him that not surprise me we, we first meet him when all the guests are arriving on the island. Uh, then we see him again when he's using Juan to scout uh, girls among the guests with, a, with this great gag that he, uh, he has where uh, Juan goes out and finds somebody who went to a Coconut Pete concert, uh, finds out what seat they were in, and then goes to tell Coconut Pete. And Coconut Pete finds the, that person later and says, hey, I remember you. Were you in my concert at such and such place in 15th row? And then, oh, my gosh, you remember yeah. Yeah, she was 14th was... row at some show, and yeah, he throws the, the row number one off just to not just to... be so accurate with her. Yeah, and and Coconut Pete finds another girl to spend the night with. Yeah, uh, then we then we see him again when he's uh he's on the beach and he he has his rant about hating Jimmy Buffett and he also calls him a mother motherfucker. Uh, and we see him in the pool with you. Because uh, they they found out that there's a killer on the island, and they immediately run to Coconut Pete, and he's he's in the pool with you, and they're just well, they were trying. If I remember right, they were trying to figure out some way to get Bill Paxton on the raft. Were they? And they that it's like okay, yeah, we'll throw him on there, and then all the different squeaking sounds, you know, like those inflatable rafts that, that yeah. every time you move, they have that squeaky noise. They put a bunch of those in, and then when they were. I don't remember who they were showing it to, but they're going through and like, I think we need more squeaks. One of the things that I found disappointing about the movie a little bit, because I love Coconut Pete so much, uh, was that you'd have these scenes where everybody's sort of freaking out and, and talking back at each other and everything. And Coconut Pete just sort of sitting back there being laid back. And, and I don't know, I would like Coconut Pete to maybe talk a little more. I, I think Coconut Pete talked just as much as he needed to. Maybe he did, yes. I think but, uh, if you had all... too much of it, it's kind of like how like we talked about with Sleepaway Camp and Aunt Martha. Because yeah. if you have too much Aunt Martha, then Martha. it throws the tone off. And actually, Probably. speaking of Aunt Martha, I found out what happened to her after Sleepaway Camp. 
Uh, unfortunately, she's passed on now. Well, I don't mean the actress. I mean the character. Oh, what happened to her? She was blown up. By who? Uh, by the tall man. Phantasm 2, when they're going back to the house, Aunt Martha's there. And they get back in time to see the house, oh, house blown up. Really? So Reggie was related to... In my Aunt mind. Martha? Okay. <laughs> it's like there's nothing else you can find about Aunt Martha other than in the Sleepaway Camp movies she's referenced. She's never talked about... She's never seen again. And then Phantasm 2, which comes out after Sleepaway Camp. And oh. timing-wise, because... I, there was something said that, that made me think like Aunt Martha was not maybe investigated. There's something about her and after the news came out about Angela and everything. But then mm. they're, they're trying to get back because Aunt Martha's there and they go back to the house and boom. So yeah. I just like uh, to think that that's the same Aunt Martha. I, I highly doubt it. Oh, I doubt um, it too. I just thought it was an interesting... Because remember... I make connections, even though I keep saying I'm not going to. I just, I can't help it. But then there's a uh, Coconut Pete also talks up his buddy Hank. He says Hank was, uh, you know, he introduces Hank into the situation when uh, they're all freaking out about the killer. Uh, then when they when find Juan the naughty says cow. That, that there's a killer out there killing the dick out of everyone. Yeah. And uh, he single-handedly caught the Minneapolis Mangler. Mangler. Who's the Minneapolis Mangler? Exactly. exactly. No. Uh, but then when the Naughty Cow song comes on, he's he's sitting there using every molecule in his damaged brain to try to figure out what this song means and what's going on. And uh, then there's this great scene where uh, the, the kitchen staff is pretty depleted thanks to the killings. And he is trying to teach uh, the weights, the, the remaining kitchen staff, how to cook all the dishes that he needs to keep the island going. Who were actual workers at the resort that they were filming at. Right. And they didn't seem to speak very, any English. <laughs> and uh, Well, I don't and, remember if they did because they said something about af like after they were after they were done shooting, they would go out and party with these guys every night. So oh, yeah. the, the the guys might might have spoke English. The characters didn't look like they did. But it, on that same note, most of the extras in this movie couldn't speak English. Really? Yeah. They were trying to make it more as um, like an American resort, but because of where they were filming, they pretty much had all Mexican extras. So pretty much most of the extras couldn't speak English. So when they're sitting around the campfire telling the, the ghost story, most of those extras didn't speak English. And the, the one, the lady next, right next to him, she spoke English with a British accent. There was one of the guys that recurs throughout that he spoke English because he's actually one of the characters, but all the extras had no idea what was going on. Hmm. And the, the crab dance scene where they're trying to do these specific moves and everything, they're trying to explain, this is what you got to do. Nobody spoke English. Hmm. So the fact that they could get all these random people, okay, just do these things. And nobody has any idea what's being said. I thought was a pretty cool achievement. And what was the what was the crab dance too? I think that I, I get the feeling watching that that's like some sort of weird coconut peat tradition to like get rid of a hangover or something. Like, well, no, what you the, have to get out and do this. What the crab dance was was Bill Paxton had brought his son, and his son would play around on the beach and would see the crabs and with the way they would move, and the son would start doing that dance, pretending pretending to be one of the crabs. So they're like, we, we got to put this in. 
So that's where uh, it came from. And it's supposed to be a dance to one of the songs. Just like, like oh, okay. Time Warp has a very specific dance. And like, it's just a jump. Scoot and Boogie has a specific dance. This is like this is the dance for this song. But that's what that's where the this the actual dance came from was Bill Paxton's son playing on the beach. Ah. Uh, well, that's cute. And I uh, think somebody then, actually called it the cute dance. It's like we gotta okay. do the cute dance. Uh, the when Coconut Pete is telling these kitchen workers try to trying to teach them how to uh how to cook for the island, he has this great bit where he gets frustrated with them and throws a coconut against the wall and, and shouts, hits the God clock. Damn it! Eddie Money doesn't have to put up with this shit. Then uh, when they did that, he threw the coconut, hit the clock, and everybody start, started laughing. They're like, yeah, it was so hard to to get quiet because he just amazingly hit the clock on that first shot and the whole room just erupted. Uh, and then when they're all plotting on getting off the island, uh, Coconut Pete is wise and the wise old sailor that he is walks up to them drunk and says, you ain't getting in those. You ain't nobody paddling to the mainland. That riptide will take you right out to sea. Thank gosh he was there with his wisdom. Otherwise, we would have lost several members of the cast to the, you know, horrible riptide. I think he said, you'll be you'll be drinking your pee in 24 hours. But sadly, no character lasts forever. And uh, especially in a slasher movie. And uh, if you're going to watch this, I, I hope you can, you know, prepare yourself. For a lot of death. For a lot of death. When I first watched this movie, it was in theaters. And ever since then, I have a really hard time saying Penelope. I always want to say Penelope. You you got hypnotized by the by I just, character of Juan's well, funny pronunciation? It's, it's like rugged butter. It's just such a fun thing to say. It's like Penelope. So whenever I see the name, I... I I want to say Penelope. And a lot of times I will Have you if ever... I'm with somebody that either knows that I'm referencing something. They not don't necessarily know what I'm referencing, but they know I'm referencing something. Or they know the movie. Grim, have you ever met a woman named Penelope and yes. mispronounced her name to her face? Yes. Okay. Intentionally. <laughs> Why? Well, and she knew where it was coming from, too. Okay. Well, did did this charm the young lady? And, and she just thought it was friends? funny. Okay, or do you, do you still have contact with them? No, but that's not because of that. It's because I was on vacation somewhere and I haven't been back. And it was kind of like I met her, who I was with, we were out and then met her and just kind of hung out a little bit for the night. And then everyone went their separate ways. It wasn't like there was somebody I would have any other further contact with. So were you, were you on an island resort and you met a woman named Penelope and you in you, no. you called her Penelope? No, it was not an island resort. Okay. Well, it was on a vacation though. Yeah. Okay. Not anywhere exotic or anything. It was like, I don't remember. It was like Arizona or Colorado or New York or Jersey or some shit. It was nothing special. What else would you like to bring up about Club Dread? What, else, what, what, what have we missed? Well, we, we've missed quite a bit, but yet so many things. The, because of how many red herrings are there are in this movie, we have to decide, are we going to just go completely spoiler-free? Are we going to spoil something? Well, we have spoiled a couple things, but we've tried to keep that to a minimum. But mm -hmm. again, it's a slasher movie. You know there's going to be people that die. Right. So... By saying he, she a couple times, that still doesn't tell you who. One thing we should mention about the slasher, the fact that this is a slasher movie, is it it, it goes pretty light on the gore. 
there's not a ton of blood and guts in this movie. Uh, it there's. Uh, I mean, there's some blood. There's some yeah. guts, but it's not like a real bloody, gory thing. N- no, uh, by like it, like if if it were, if, like compared to other slashers, it's like you know, if something like say Reanimator is a five star slasher, uh, then this is a one star. If you're judging, or if you're base basing your stars on the amount of blood and gore, yes, then yeah. But if you're talking about just fun quality type of thing i would never put this that low no no i'm i'm solely talking about the level of uh gore and uh extreme makeup effects uh i think the effects were all done practically though um for the most part yeah however i will say there is some delightful uh mutilation that happens towards the end of the film that is richly satisfying for the viewer i think that would have been one of my big changes too you wouldn't you wouldn't have made that so graphic? Oh no, I would have done it different. How so? Well again, what are we spoiling? Nah, spoil. Yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil. Yeah, this I I'm guessing this was your first time watching. Uh I've watched it twice now. Well I mean for this. But yeah, for for this. This was your first time watching it. So as a first watch, what did you think? I thought it was uh it was a funny movie. It was kind of a stupid movie, but it it was charming. And Coconut Pete uh, really helped me get through the movie just because of how much I love Bill Paxton. Uh, I'm guessing was, Coconut Pete was your favorite character of the movie then? Yes. Okay. I haven't made that clear enough? Uh, I think you've been very, pretty vague about who, who you liked in this movie. You, you haven't really talked too much about any one character. Except Coconut, Coconut Pete. Pete and Marcel. <laughs> Marcel wasn't even a character <laughs> in the movie. That was my complaint. No, I no, I thought the other characters were delightful. I thought uh, Dave was uh, interesting because of how childish he was. Uh, Putnam, or is it Putman or Putnam? Putman. Yeah, Putnam, which is a better name for a golfer. Anyway, he he was hilarious. I thought, especially with the British accent. Uh, Ginny was charming. You was great. Uh, Lars was interesting because of his you know superpowers that he had. Uh, with mas- with massage, uh, Sam was a good generic authority figure that uh, helped. Fun uh, police, yeah, the fun police. And Juan was a great sort of comic relief, sort of. Uh, and the accent he did in that was great too. Yeah, I uh, think was, the the trio of Juan, Penelope, and Jenny. Juan, Penelope, and Jenny were, I think, anytime those three were together. I love the whole uh, Putman trying to get with Jenny through the whole movie thing. At the, and then at the end of the movie, like uh, Sam is talking to Jen well, towards the end of the movie. Sam is like, all the people you've slept with, Jenny, have died. And she goes, what if Rolo and uh, Cliff are both dead and you slept with them? And she goes, oh, yeah. I was well, I slept with, with, with Juan and, and Pete, Pete and they're still alive. <laughs> and then Putnam looks at Jenny and goes like. My God, Jenny, and I—not if I was the last man on the island, isn't it, <laughs> or something like that? Well, even when um, when Lars and Putnam are getting ready to go out into the to the forest, and she gives Lars this big kiss, and then Putnam's like, "Oh yeah," and she just reaches out her hand, and says, "Good luck." <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "Of course, that's all I get, I guess, isn't it?" It's like you get the feeling like Putnam has been like just trying and begging and and being a 
little puppy at Jenny's heels for the past six weeks or something. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's made. You can't really blame him for for wanting Jenny. No, I mean because he's clearly a he's, he's clearly he, an athlete. She's a she's an amazingly well, fit, he's clearly a straight male with eyes. Yeah, I mean that's really all you need. You get you you do get the feeling though that uh, like uh, the staff. It, all right, Jenny slept with Rolo. She slept with Cliff. She slept with Pete. She slept with Juan. Uh, we know Rolo was sleeping with uh, Jenny or with Stacy and Kelly. I got the feeling that you and Pete were kind of an item uh, based on how they were cozying up in the pool together. And Jenny clearly had a thing for Lars throughout the picture. So I, if, look, if you could chart if, out if the this, sexual relationship if, if between all these you characters. You are somebody who is a very sexual person like Jenny is. And this man comes up to you and just by a simple touch on your neck or on your lip can send your entire body through just sheer ex- ecstasy and orgasmic pleasure. Would you not be like, I need more of him? I don't know. I try not to put my mind in the mindset of, you know, uh, I. Okay. Think about this. When she does that back to Lars, if you were Lars and someone came up and did that to you, would you not be thinking I need more of her? Yes, I suppose I would. So there you go. Old magic fingers. And not trying to disparage Jenny at all, because, I mean, she's free to do what she wants to do. And if that's what she wants to do, then fine. She apparently likes the blue feather that is a throwback to Super Troopers. Um, she she ha- keeps some kinky cuffs under her bed. Which she uses to... Uh... Uh, uh, there's there's a great line in the movie where uh, uh, Putnam stares at the camera and just says, "You've manacled you've manacled me to my deathbed, you Piccadilly whore." Well, she doesn't have the key. She doesn't know where they are, where the keys are. Uncuff me, quick! I don't know where the keys are. Find them. I can't. And yeah. I, I I like how they even went with she she gets back or Jenny she gets back to her place and. She turns a TV on, and every time she turns a TV on, it is the exercise, it's the fitness show that she's in. So she's always watching herself on TV. But then she goes in and she's going to take a shower. She takes off her, her skirt or shorts or whatever she's wearing. She's about to take her, she turns the water on, she's about to take her top off. And then it's like, oh, hell no. Turns the water off and heads out to the, to the pool. It's, oh. And it's like... They're going for like the the psycho shower kill thing or the, the straight up slasher movie. Okay. She gets naked. That means she's going to die. She's like, yeah, I'm not getting naked and into a shower when there's a killer running around. That's how people die. Yeah. Uh, That was not in the scene. I watch. No. And that's, that's one of the things I believe that got cut out. And they, they said something about um, to all, all the teenage boys. No, you, you don't get, you don't get Britney booby. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you know, that's, she looked great throughout the whole movie, and she didn't mm-hmm. have to show anything. to. She didn't have to take off her clothes to look great. No. Well, I mean, she was in some very small bikinis, so she took off some things. But again, tropical islands, so bikinis yeah. make sense. It does. They do. Th- there's a-, a lot of things in this that don't make sense. But I think I asked you earlier what you thought the scariest part of the movie was. I, I oh, the scariest say, part in the movie? Um, yeah. As I, my, my, my vote, head on the turntable. Uh, my vote would be Lars and, and Jenny in the shower when the killer is walking around and they know the killer is right outside. Yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty tense too. And then the towel getting thrown over. 
and it ends in comedy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, with all this being said, with all, all the weird tragedies and all that, I think this is would be a good time um, for a, a little bit of sponsorship thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So we have a message from a sponsor. Yes, we do. And, and it ties into this, you know, being prepared thing, or at least not necessarily being prepared, but well, you'll understand. Hmm. Have you or a loved one suffered physical or psychological harm while vacationing at Coconut Pete's Pleasure Island, perhaps by tripping over partially buried bodies, or maybe you were tricked into watching police being blown up on a boat? Were you diagnosed with an STI after having sex with a Coconut Pete's staff member? Do you suffer from violent flashbacks of pretzel and watermelon sex? If so, the law offices of Crass Weed and Associates can help. When I went to get my morning cup of coffee, Pina Colada Berg came on the radio in the coffee shop. After I suffered a PTSD-related panic attack, the law offices of Crass Weed and Associates got me $65,000. Let Crass Weed and Associates help you get what you deserve. Call us today, 1-800-COCONUT. That's 1-800-262-6688. Well, I'd like to thank our sponsor. That was uh, that was terrific. Yeah, I mean, y you never know. You might need their help. You might. I mean, uh, you know, we should. Uh, you never know with those class action lawsuits when you might qualify for one. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe you were down at the bottom of a ice luge and thinking, "I'm going to get some booze," and instead you got a mouthful of blood. That would be disgusting. Yeah, and possibly poisonous. And a scene in the movie. Yeah, a hilarious scene in the movie. Uh, that was another great scene in the movie too. By the way, I think that was uh, that was a little callback to the another callback to the Friday the Thirteenth kind of rules. Uh, that at some point there has to be a scene where all the bodies are revealed. I, I think that was them sort of checking the boxes off on the slasher uh, rules, and they did it with a plum. I don't know if it was necessarily, or if I would necessarily say a Friday the Thirteenth thing or just a, a horror movie thing in general. I don't know. I've always said But then there's a lot of them where it's like, there's not really a big, here's all the bodies reveal. It's just. Well, it's a slasher tradition. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, how they were revealed to everybody was very interesting. And mm -hmm. the debauchery the that happened after that was yeah. even more interesting. Yeah. Uh, they did not slow the party down very much. Uh, people weren't partying in that part of the island anymore. But. Uh, uh, they were well, they all kind of room. panicked and went running, and then it turned into, shit, as long as we're going to die, we might as well go out with a smile on our face. Yeah, and they, they, the, the guests basically seemed to ransack the island for costumes and booze and uh, left all their inhibitions behind and just Yeah, there was a couple it. having sex on one of the tables. There was pretzel and watermelon having sex again. Only this time it was two guys that you can tell throughout the movie that eventually there's going to be something come up with the two of them because they're just kind of overcompensating with the way they're looking at the girls and their reactions towards each other. It's like, yeah, something's going to happen with these guys. Watermelon at the end? Yeah. It was those two guys? Yep. I think Hank and Roy were their names. Or not I, Hank, Manny. I don't remember. I think they were Manny and Roy. Um, but yeah, that's who that was at the end. Um, I know that the couple having sex at the table, they actually had to replace the guy at least once because they kept trying to get him to hump the woman and he couldn't pump it right. I, I think is how they put it. He, he couldn't get the, the humping action to look right. So they kept like, no, do it this way. And they kept trying to show him and he couldn't get it. So they had to swap him out with somebody else. 
Well, that's sad. That, that's a bad day at the office for any actor. It's like, okay, we, we need you to just go up to the pretty girl and have sex with and pretend to have sex with her on camera. No, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, pretty much. That watch, was... watch how I do it. See? Okay, watch. Now watch. See, I'm moving my hips like this. It's called, it's, it's just like having sex. Just pretend you're having sex with her. Okay, action. Okay, no, you're doing it wrong again. <laughs> that's kind of how it was, yeah. Yeah, uh, that sounds, uh, that would have been, maybe he was just uh, embarrassed to be doing this scene. Who knows? Maybe he just had a different stroke than most people are uh, are familiar with. Maybe that was like, well, this is how I do it. Well, that looks weird. I mean, it could have been just it was an awkward position and could have been height wise or whatever. It just didn't work out right for him. Who knows? No, I I wasn't there. I couldn't say. I don't know the man, and I I I hope the actress was able to enjoy the scene safely. I mean, I haven't heard anything about it not working out. Or any repercussions after, so... That's good. Yeah. And again, you said they used mostly Mexican cast, so hopefully uh, they were treated, you know, like... Uh, they were treated like... Yeah, the, the regulations actors. there are a little different than they are here, so... Yeah. Who knows? That's what I'm thinking. Hopefully they weren't... Uh, hopefully they weren't taken advantage of in any way by producers or anything like that. Now, by the way, I, I should mention... Um, we're recording this on 4th of July. So if you hear lots of noises, the fireworks are insane. And it's, it's only 530 here and super bright. And yet they're still out there just firing them off. Like it's nothing. Yeah. It's like, I even got to sit here with my keys next to me. So when they make those loud booms, I can turn my car alarm off. I'm happy. I watched club dread and I, uh, I, I recently, uh, I had to watch it again because we had a I had a, some physical sickness issues that kept us from recording this for a while. So I had to refresh on the uh, on the movie. So I just bought a, a digital copy from Amazon, and now I'm regretting not buying the physical copy because now I I as you've mentioned to me a few times, the unrated edition has more scenes. Well, and that's why I asked which one you watched because you said you got the digital, and I figured that they would have that as an option. And if that was an option, that would have been the one that you would have picked. Maybe. Well, maybe there is an option. Uh, but I, I just remember uh, seeing one Club Dread, one icon for Club Dread on Amazon Prime and uh, picking hmm. that one. And now I remember there might be seat, might have been two. And maybe I should have picked that one instead. Well, I, I guess you'll have to find out. Yeah, I'll find out when I buy the DVD or Blu-ray. I, this is, you know what, though? I don't know what your standards are. Well, like. For me, there's there's uh, there's three kinds of physical media right now that I buy. There are DVDs, which are largely uh, defunct, as it were, as a medium. They you, not a lot of movies are put out on DVD anymore. Uh, they're kind of on their way out. Then there's Blu-ray, regular standard standard definition Blu-ray, and ultra blu- high high definition 4K Blu-ray. Now, I will only spend the money for a 4K Blu-ray if I really love the movie. Or it is a visual feast. Yeah, there has that, to be something that about it that warrants going to a high def. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, the, that and the, the cost. The, yeah, the cost of the cost of 4K deep Blu-rays is a little prohibitive, and you can't. Ju- and I, I'm not in a, fi- a financially secure enough position that I can just spend willy-nilly and buy 4K Blu-rays. Even though there, I am trying to buy all of Lucio Fulci's uh, Gates of Hell trilogy right now in 4K because I love those movies. But uh, I and and I mean this is no insult to the movie. I I I couldn't see this getting. I don't know if this will ever get a 4K release, but I. 
I I could I would have to go with either standard Blu-ray or DVD if I could if I could find it on DVD I'd probably go with DVD. I I don't remember what else it's on. Um, I know it wasn't big enough to really go to 4K. I mean, if it if it does do a 4K, it's gonna be one of those like, oh yeah, by the way, remember this movie? Or there's gonna be some kind of resurgence or something. Yeah, there would have to be a huge uh, resurgence of interest in the movie for uh, for there to be a, a 4K release. And uh, it came out in 2004. Yes, 2004. So uh, next year will be the 20th anniversary. So maybe we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Club Dread I've not seen on anything other than DVD. Mm. Um, it's not that it won't be on something later, but this movie didn't do well enough to make them really want to put a lot out. So who knows? Plus it was 2004, so it was pre-digital. Yeah. But that it doesn't was, mean uh, you can't get a digital copy of it if they put out something. True. But what else would you like to say about Club Dread there, Ben? What else would I like to say, or what else would I like to say that I don't mind being put out there to public? <laughs> uh, both, I guess. Um, well, no. I Well, like I said before, I, I initially watched this because Brittany did, I saw Brittany Daniels in it, and it's like, okay, yeah, got to see it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and she's in, in a bikini of even more reason. I think her acting in this was great. I think the acting from everybody in this was, was spot on. Um, yeah, they were pretty good. There, I think they all inhabited their characters lot. fairly nicely. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot I can really fault, because if you've seen Super Troopers and that's kind of your thing, then this really fits in with that same kind of humor. I had a hard time getting into Super Troopers and, and maybe this movie a little bit, because I think they're both kind of stoner comedies. And, um, to an extent, they, they can very stoner easily be considered that. stoner comedies, to me, are are kind of alienating because I it's like when you watch a movie like that, you always know this would be so much better if you were just stoned and no. being stoned is not an option for me. No, not this, not this. No, but you um, think that's true well, Super even Troopers super maybe? troopers, um, because I've watched all of them completely sober. Oh yeah. And just recently w was rather limber when watching this movie. And really all it did was kind of make me have to rewind a little. Okay. Uh, and not so much because I was missing things. It was just because uh, it was like, did they say what I think? Or well, wait a minute. I could have sworn when I watched it before that it was something else. And so I'd go back. And I think it, it was partly because I'd watched it so many times. When I rewatched it, I felt like I... I know this movie. I didn't really pay as much attention as I should have. So that could be why I was rewinding. But the difference between limber and not, I didn't really find any difference. Mm. Like Night of the Demons, I found a huge difference. Sleepaway oh, yeah. Camp, huge difference. This one, not so much. And I well, think, then, too, it could was different be about, like who you're with. I mean, if you're with the Night right group of people and you're all in that same state of mind that could be different mm -hmm. and the fact that i was sitting alone watching it that, that could be why it didn't seem different to me did jordan ladd do all of her own no. uh gymnastics that was a gymnast okay yeah uh, and they did say that it, they they felt bad because it was a very tight space they had to do the, the moves in and they didn't think it was going to be enough space for her to pull that off. And then she just nailed it perfectly. But not only did they have the tight space for her to do it in, she also had to do it topless, 
which was going to be uncomfortable anyway. Mm. And she she still just managed to pull it off somehow. So, in a, but Jordan Ladd did do uh, all of her topless scenes, which uh, oh yeah, were, that was definitely her topless. Yeah, um, I've I've heard mention in I, I think even the IMDb trivia says that Jordan Ladd's topless scene is listed as some sort of like ten best or something of the twenty of the two thousands of uh, for horror movies. She she has an amazing pair of breasts, if that's what uh, you're trying to say. Uh, yes, yeah, she's a lovely young woman. Yes. Um, well, again, sure you... she's Cheryl Ladd's daughter. She's got the genes, man. I've, I've never, uh, when I think of Cheryl Ladd, I think of her being beaten up in Lifetime movies, unfortunately. So that's, that is my. Okay, broaden your horizons a little. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I, that's just my. Cheryl best. Ladd was a beautiful woman. I, I haven't seen her lately. I'm assuming, you know, she, she aged well, like so many others. But I don't know. Um, I'm sure she's still lovely. If she's if she's still alive, right? I'm pretty sure I she's alive. I, I could not say. I, I should probably check this before I get too far and keep talking about how she still looks good and find out she's been dead for years. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's still alive. Now that I Indeed see who she it is. is. Uh, she's 71 years old. Yeah, and an amazing looking 71. Um, yes, very, very much. Um, so, yeah, it's... Cheryl Ladd's daughter, she's got the good genes. She she has had a lot going for her to begin with. Um, but you can tell she she is not one that just kind of sit around and eat pizza and chips on the couch. She she has a definite look to her that she puts some effort into maintaining her physique. Yeah, well, it's uh I'm pretty sure it's kind of verboten for any movie star to be somebody who sits around and eats chips on the couch. I, I think that's just not part of the actor's lifestyle if they want to look good on camera. For the well, it depends on the role. Might be, might depend on the role. Uh, yeah, like uh, if, uh, it, it, if Christian Bale having to put on weight to play Dick Cheney or something, yeah, he could probably spend a few weeks just eating chips on the couch or something. Or... Maybe he'd go the sumo wrestler route and eat a lot of like, uh, you know, heavy starches or something like giant bowls of rice and, and noodles. I, I don't know. Uh, there's a special dish that sumo wrestlers eat to put on weight. I forget the name of it, though. Uh, I don't know, but I'm not quite sure why we're talking about that one. Well, I was uh, if an actor needs to transform themselves for a role, they would oh, yeah. have to maybe put on weight in a hurry. Yeah, maybe. or they could just start out heavy. Or they could just start out heavy, like uh, some great. There are some great actors, or great who've who've been heavy their whole careers. Like uh, John Candy was a great one, who was heavy his whole career for the most part. John, John Goodman, Goodman has been a large man uh, in yeah, many and roles. He's, he's gone up and down as far as weight goes. He's always been a big man, even when he's thin. He's still large, and not necessarily yes. large as way around. He's a tall, big man. So even when he was considerably more overweight than other times he was still large and uh chris farley is famous as well for uh being a, a heavy set actor who uh who used his weight for great comedy physical comedy i mean and, well, and then uh, in this kevin heverman heverman that he he wasn't as big as in super troopers but he he was the butt of the jokes in super troopers because of his size a lot of times he he was in this a little bit when uh, when Dave comes up to him and says we traded in a six foot blonde a six foot four 
Swedish blonde for this guy? No, she she was six foot, and then he topped it. It's, I think he said it was, I'm six one or I'm six four or whatever. Yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. And but, then Dave gives him like a heads up or something. But yeah, I, there's there's some advantages and disadvantages but jordan ladd definitely the only advantage or the only disadvantage i'd say she'd has for anything is her height and not, not that girl. it's a big thing it's just you know if she has to get stuff off a top of a off if she has to get stuff off a high shelf hmm. but this character being a gy- gymnast she'd probably just swing up to it probably uh yeah just uh better do one of those amazing gymnast uh leaps they can do just you know hop up and do a split midair, grab whatever they need off the shelf, land on their feet all dainty and stuff, and, you know, put one arm in the air and say, yay, rah, and then, like, you know, go back about their business. Did you notice the picture on Juan's headboard? I think it was. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was Juan's headboard. No. no, I didn't see. What was it? It was him as a kid holding, like, a lamb or small goat oh. or something. And I think it was like a, a stuffed toy. The joke being, well, it's as just the running gag throughout the movie. Okay. And even even the joke when he says we were just stupid kids or crazy kids or whatever. Even then, the kid is the joke. Yeah. Because oh, what it, what is a small goat? A it is kid? a kid. Yeah. Ah. So th- this this movie has jokes when you don't realize they're jokes. Well, there's, uh, yeah, some there to catch for eagle-eyed viewers, I guess. Or eagle-eared. Uh, eagle-eared. And that doesn't even uh, make sense, does it? Not really, no. <laughs> if, uh, not sure if eagles are known for their hearing. Uh, owl-eared. Owl-eared, perhaps. I don't know. People that listen well. So what was your favorite, dogs hear everything. since you were asking me, what was your favorite coconut peat moment? Uh, when he threw, co- threw the coconut and... Uh, and hit the clog? He uh, did, I don't... I don't, I don't think he hit a clock yeah, in the take. There was a clock the at the top of the wall, and he threw it and just nailed the clock. Oh, well, Bill yeah. Paxton was an athlete. And I don't think he was supposed to hit the clock. I think he was just supposed to throw it at the wall. It's either that, or there's a tie for when he gets up, and he, when he loses his shit over somebody saying, asking him to play Margarita a Jimmy Buffett Bill. song. That, yeah. was, that was hilarious. Also, anytime Pete was on screen, that was just great to me. Anytime. So, yeah. So, asking you what your favorite Coconut Pete moment is... Is like asking me what my favorite part of Killer Clowns is. Basically. It's like every time it's like, oh no, this is my favorite. And then something else happens. No, this is it. Yeah. Okay. Can you name all the, uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned these already. Can you name, uh, I I know they named at least three albums by Coconut Pete. Oh, you already named them. Did I name them Yeah, you named off a bunch of albums earlier. Uh, All right. I don't know if we did that. Yeah, you did that. Well, they had great titles. Sea Shanties and Wet Panties. That would be a, that's. Just ridiculous kind of. I think he was a mix of like Ted Nugent's personality from the seventies or something, and with Jimmy Buffett. What a was bit. the Spanish Fly one? Spanish Fly Fisherman. Yeah, that's what it was. Spanish Fly Fisherman. Yeah, and the and the cover had him catching a girl's bikini on a fish hook. Yep. And he's he, and he's reeling her in. Yeah. Okay. Classic. So y- your favorite kill? Uh, it's got to be the uh, it's got to be the one where uh, the staff member is in the slow moving golf cart. Because it's just so sadly inevitable. Yeah, and it reminds me of some of like the scary movie and those kind of things. It, that kind of reminded me of it, just the way it was played out where like she's trying to drive away. She's in full panic mode and the killer just casually walks up right next to her and looks at her like, really? Yeah. This is your getaway. 
She could have stopped it and ran out the other side. Yeah. Could have. She she would have been better off to just get out and run as soon as the, the cart started moving. It's like, okay, this thing's slow. But instead, it's like, no, I've got to keep moving. Yeah. Uh, all she I, And she could have escaped. I, I think all she had to do was get back to the party and she would have been safe. Maybe. Maybe. So what so, would you have changed? Uh, would have had more coconut pee. Uh, even though you say like we got just enough of him, like Aunt Martha, I don't, I don't know. I think we, I, we could have had more coconut peat. Yeah, I think it, I think it would have changed the tone. Or uh, maybe, well, let me think. What would I change? What would I change? Because coconut peat brought a lot of comedy into the scenes. Uh, maybe, uh, I think the broken lizards could have gone a little more for broke with a uh, with some of the gore. I, I think, uh, I think it, it wouldn't have been. Uh, it wouldn't have been too off-putting if maybe there was like some more graphic blood spurts when the with machete machete slashes, and uh, maybe like uh, you know dismemberments occurring during the deaths. I think they they shied away from doing anything that was like uh, budgetarily restrictive. What? Anything that was budgetarily restrictive? Uh, well, it's not, I don't know if that was. What do you mean restrictive? Things that would have cost too much, so they couldn't yes. do. That that's probably that yeah. that was I was about to say that was probably the main issue because uh, in a lot of those old slasher movies where you know extremely elaborate effects show extremely graphic gore uh, that was a full day of shooting to get those effects to work just right. Yeah, a lot of these scenes they were they talked about. Yeah, we did this whole thing in like twenty minutes or whatever because the sun was going down or coming up or whatever the case may be. They they ran into a lot of different issues with timing. Mm-hmm. Again, I think adding a lot more blood and gore still would have changed the tone and it wouldn't have it would have felt more like a slasher and a straight horror than a horror comedy. I yeah, well, I I think if Evil Dead 2 proved anything is that you can mix comedy and gore. And they This could've... kind of reminded me of like one of the it it, it reminded me of a Scooby do movie without the dog and a little bit more violence just who is it everybody running around trying to figure out what's going on yeah. weird things keep happening it's kind of a scooby-doo mystery story yeah but uh what would you change well are, are we now at the point to where we can give our spoiler alert and go ahead and go for go for broke i i'd assume so we've been okay for well some time. in that case um Anything after this is is going to be spoiler filled. So, if you haven't seen it, stop now and um, just watch the movie. If, if my, you can get a hold of it, my what I would change is the kill at the end when they they wrapped the boat around that little dock and around him. It was a raft. It was like a floating dock out in the water. Yeah, raft. Yeah, wooden raft, probably chained to the bottom with a yeah, which is a floating dock. Okay. But anyway, um, with, with that kill, they they knew the rope was around him because that it pulled him off and to the water. He threw the rope up around one of the posts, and instead of just continuing to drive off, they wrapped around continually and pulled it tight enough to slice him in half. Mm-hmm. I would have just gunned it and torn him in half. But that would have also meant that you wouldn't have had the torso gag. You wouldn't have the leg gag. I would have just 
gunned it and torn him in half. Uh, well, I, the thing is, is uh, they he would have to be tied up really evenly from like both ankles and both wrists to be torn in half the way you're talking about. And I don't, I don't know if uh, how that would work. Maybe it would tear his arms off rather than tearing his uh, tearing his body down the I mean, middle. I mean, you could get get a foot or a leg. I mean, you could tear him up, and it might have do- not have done a clean tear. And the wrapping up thing, it did add some time. It did add the ability to do the the torso gag and the leg gag. But it just, every time I see it, it bugs me. It's like, why? Just go. Mm-hmm. You've been trying to get out of here for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. Now's your chance. You know he's tied at both ends. Just gun it. You don't have to wrap around have. so where you get closer and eventually oh no now we have to untie the rope no you gun it and if the if the rope is an issue you already know you can cut the rope using the prop i can kind of do you one better there uh there's a point where uh penelope gets separated from the survivors and the killer has been revealed and uh the killer drags penelope into a a pool of water with a window in it and almost drowned her for real and he tries to drown her and Juan finds a fire axe and uh, busts the glass to let the water out to save Penelope and stop her from being drowned. In that moment, after the glass has been broken, uh, the killer is disabled, he is down and not getting up uh, after hitting the floor really hard with the water. And uh, Penelope and Juan get up and they still have the damn axe. They could have used it on the killer right then and there. Yeah. But if I remember right, they got up and were still kind of trying to come to the killer got up pretty much the same time and then got macheted. And that didn't work. Well, no, but I would have said, if you're going to go with that time, that's when, okay, you've done this now one more, you need Mm. the double tap. Yeah, if uh, but it was a slasher movie and uh, in one of the rules in slasher movies is the killer is never dead the first time. No, you always have that final jump scare. Yeah. And this movie you always have kept that. giving you final jump scares. Uh, there's that final. And that's when it turned into parody. Final surge of killing rage where they get up and come after you again. That's they, they talked about it at the end, how it's like, oh, yeah, we should have done like a six weeks later and had Lars and, and Jenny getting married and have the torso come in or the legs come in to try and stop them. That would have been cute. Yeah, and Penelope, Juan's the best man, and Penelope's the first, uh, the head bridesmaid, maid of honor. Well, Juan was already dead. Oh, uh, spoiler. Yeah. Well, yeah, Yeah. but remember, we're in the spoiler 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 phase. Um, And again, Juan, Penelope, and Jenny together was just a great matchup. Yeah. And then, like, at the end, when, when Juan's like, before I die, just one last kiss, or just one kiss. And she's like, oh, and okay. Like, I was like, no, 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 no. Between you two, I always yeah. wanted to see that. Yeah. And then, and uh, can, it, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, can you blame him? No. Still, it's an inappropriate thing to ask. But oh, was, yeah, it's an inappropriate dying. thing to ask. But in the context of this movie and the fact that it's two just insanely beautiful women, it, yeah, okay. You can't blame him. Who was in the watermelon soup with Juan was in. Or, when mom was in the pretzel suit, who was in the watermelon suit? An extra that could barely speak English. Okay. So it wasn't one of the staff members? No, she was She was one of the guests. She was one of the guests. I believe. 
Okay. They didn't. They didn't really give her a name. She might have been a staff, like hotel staff or something. But they asked all the extras, like, okay, who wants to be the watermelon? And the one that had the least grasp of the English language was the one that rose her hand. So it's like, okay, here you go. Like, could, did they have an interpreter on set? I have no idea. Did this poor woman know what she was getting into? Or what was going to be... No, I'm not going there because it didn't actually happen. I was going to say, or what was going to be getting into her. But oh. this w- this was not that kind of movie i wondered uh like maybe if uh the uh because there were there were other staff members like there were go-go dancers who worked at the club i think yeah they were supposed to be go-go dancers and in go-go dancer outfits and when they showed up and went to the costume they're like oh just put them in bikinis oh that works they were well yeah and it makes more sense but they were supposed to be actual go-go dancers like what mini dresses and tall boots mm-hmm. okay uh yeah, that does. I don't know if that really goes with the tropical rock Mm-mm. thing. No, uh, but I remember they had like body paint on or something, like saying "Aloha" on their stomachs. Possibly, I know there was a lot of body paint and a lot of things throughout the movie. So trying to pinpoint when and where things were painted on who isn't quite the easiest. Well, I'm, I was just thinking like maybe the the Aloha dancers, the Go Go dancers were, uh, if they were staff, I I. I I could assume they were staff. Then maybe they got killed too with Marcel off screen. When, uh, if when, Marcel was even still on the island, if Marcel was even still on the island, even though he was on the activities board and he is in the cast. Yeah. It, it could be that his scenes got cut. It could be that he was there and we never really got anything with him because all the rest of the cast were the main ones we we're supposed to be paying attention to. Who knows? Yeah, like yeah, Marcel and the Aloha dancers figured out a way to get off the island, and uh, and that's why. Well, actually, no, the Go Go dancers I think were seen at the end when they were uh, partying in the club section of uh, Pleasure Island before the bodies revealed. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's getting loud here, and uh, I think the train's going to have to come to a stop here. Club Dread is a fun horror comedy. Anybody who out there who hasn't uh, checked it out ought to do themselves a favor and do so. Uh, if not for Bill Pax, if not for everybody else's, uh, well, the whole cast does a great job. Uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, the director, uh, does a great job. Double duty is uh, Putman, the the English tennis pro, uh, with his hilarious British accent, and everyone else does a fine job in their roles. But uh, again, the, one of the highlights for me was just uh, Bill Paxton as Coconut Pete, uh, just coming up with this character on the fly and uh, just improving his way through the movie and doing great. Uh, it doesn't have the most imaginative kills, but that's because they didn't have the budget to really make these effects-laden uh, spectacles. It well, was, not only that, but it wasn't really the kind of movie that was out for imaginative kills. It was just kills. Machete, machete kills, for the most yeah. part. And it, it and fit the, the theme. It was uh, supposed to be a machete killer, so you're not going to have a bunch of imaginative things with a machete killer. Pretty much. Uh, but... Uh, it, it's a fun movie. It's a great comedy. It's uh, it the whole. It's it's a little light on the horror, but it it's a loving little send up of slasher movies and slasher tropes. It deserves to be more loved than it is. I think. Would you say so, Grim? Most definitely. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it it's a highlight of Bill Paxton's later career and uh, well, eh, latter part of his career. I I think I think that it seemed like the whole cast was excited to be working with him. 
and uh, hopefully we'll be doing more Bill Paxton movies uh, in the future. Uh, I know I'd love to cover Aliens and uh, Near Dark, maybe even some of his action movies like True Lies. Predator 2 is a great one he was in. So we'd have to cover Predator 1, then Predator 2. Oh, poor Did you know the Bill Paxton? Bill Paxton and one other actor both have the distinction of being killed on screen by an alien, a predator, and a terminator. By all three. Uh, by they, the, These two actors in their careers have all died on screen at the hands of a xenomorph alien, a predator, and a terminator. Can you name those two actors, Grim? Bill Paxton and... Well, it wouldn't be Arnold. No. It wouldn't be Sigourney Weaver. No. And when you're talking about kills by a xenomorph, are you talking about the alien movies or just any movie with a xenomorph? Uh, I... Because there's Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien a, whatever. Yes, alien then there's like Prometheus and all that shit. No, it wasn't in Prometheus. And then there's shit. AVP. No, it's not in AVP. So we're talking about... Well, it is, part of it is in AVP, actually. Okay. Um, well, Do you give up? Then I would say um, Bishop. You got it. He's the only person that's been in all of them other than Bill Paxton. Lance Henriksen was killed by a Terminator in Terminator 1, along with Bill Paxton being killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 1. Bill Paxton met his end from Xenomorphs in the movie Aliens, uh, which was, spoiler alert, this movie's 30 years old. Anyway... I'm yes, there's there's going to be a point when we're going to have to just stop with a whole spoiler alert thing because like Alien, Aliens, the, those movies are so old that yep. there there's no point. And, and if yep. you haven't seen it yet, that's on you. Some yeah, of these movies, though, it, you... like this Club Dread, May, some of these that, yeah, they're not new, but they're new-ish and they're not popular like Alien. Those is like, yeah, we're not going to spoil it because it's a good chance you haven't seen these. Yeah. But going on, Lance Henriksen, uh, Bill Paxton was killed by a Predator in Predator 2, an alien in Aliens, and a Terminator in the original Terminator. Lance Henriksen was killed by an alien in Aliens when the Queen cut him in half. He was killed by a Predator in one of the AVP movies, and he was killed by a Terminator in the first Terminator. The train is coming to a stop. (laughs) And it's time to say goodbye here in the movie car. We hope everyone out and there. Even if it's thing. not, the fireworks around us are dictating that we need to stop before it gets really difficult to yeah. continue. Hope everyone out there was able to uh, get a little bit of new appreciation, or maybe just learn a little bit about this movie they'd never seen called Club Dread. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened and downloaded. Uh, we love all of you. Uh, thanks to our mutual friend. Please like, subscribe, comment, heart, star. Tell your friends about us. Recommend us to anyone you can. Uh, just tell us you like us. Yeah, That'd the, be nice. the, or the stars, us. the comments, and all that. It really helps out with that funky algorithm that yes, it does. that helps get the word out. And we're yeah. begging you. We're begging you out there. Just give us a little stars there. Just one or two. Yeah. Just well, well, actually, hey, we work hard on this. Give us four or five. Yeah. Um, Get five stars, preferably, even if you don't like us. Give us five stars because it keeps us going and lets us improve. Indeed it does. Uh, but be good to each other out there. We're all stuck together in this crazy train and we're all we have in here. Bye for now, folks. Goodbye. <laughs>